With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, welcome to The Grueling Truth. My name is Joe Rodriguez, and I am stepping in for Mike Goodpass, who should be with us shortly. Uh, we have a good show for you tonight, and uh, it is our first show in this venue. Uh, we're waiting, hopefully, on Peter McNilly, who was who a heavyweight contender and has a long history, a long family history in the fight game. And as you, if you remember, Peter McNilly fought Mike Tyson in a famous fight years ago, said a few insulting poems about him, which I loved. And he really, if you think about it, he was not afraid of him at all. I mean, unfortunately, it didn't come out in his favor, but he went right at him. So it was really, uh, you know, he he did give it his best shot, unlike other guys who were just afraid and just would cower, and the fight would be over even before it started. So, all right, Joe, uh, I'm back. <laughs> okay. So is, is that a good warm-up? I don't know. I didn't hear it. I was talking to Peter. We're trying to get the new system here figured out. I think we got it. He should be calling in here in a minute. So. I think we got him confused a little bit, but he'll be on in a second, and I think it has you confused too, Joe. So, Really? So uh, hopefully people hear what I said. It's our first time using this. I had introduced, uh, said hello to everyone, uh, anyone who's listening, um, and that uh, we expected to have Peter McNeely on and um, how he put on such a, you know, he did his very best against Tyson, unlike other guys who were just afraid of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't cower in the corner. He actually went after him. It didn't work out too well for him, but... It's better than running or hugging like Bone Crusher Smith did. Um, while we're waiting for Peter to call in, you want to give us your take on Floyd Mayweather's next opponent? Well, he's fighting this guy, Berto. I looked him up a little bit. I had not seen him fight before. He looks like a talented guy. He has, a, he has really fast hands, a good build. Um, but uh, I don't know what happens with guys who fight Floyd. I know Mayweather fans will say that uh, Mayweather's just that good, and I, I think he is good. But uh, guys get very cautious against Mayweather. You can't play cat and mouse with him. You have to just go at him and just let it all hang out, you know, to use an old expression. Hopefully this guy, Berto, really goes after Mayweather. What are your thoughts? Um, I think Berto's probably seen his better days, even though he's pretty young. I mean, he's been in some wars. I mean, I mean he's been in some big-time fights. I would say he's probably a B-fighter. Um, the question is this. I mean, I don't think Marcus Maidana is really any more talented than Andre Berto. The difference was Maidana, until about halfway through the second fight, did not get, you know, did not give up the way a lot of guys do. And I don't even think Maidana gave up. I think Floyd just finally figured him out. But I think you've got Berto, who's a young, hungry fighter. I think you've got Floyd Mayweather, who, I mean, let's face it, he's a great fighter. He's never been beaten. Um, I think this fight could be more interesting than people think. But that being said, if it's pay-per-view, there's no way I'm buying it. So, I mean, we've been in burn enough by Floyd Mayweather pay-per-views. And outside of the fights with Maidana, I never really felt like I got my money's worth on that. What's your opinion on that, Jeff? Um, I agree. I, I do think, though, that Berto does stand to have a better chance against Mayweather than Maidana. Maidana 
is kind of a mauler to me. He fights one way. Berto can give you a couple of different looks. He has really good hand speed. Um, he's only 31. I'm, why are you saying that he might be... Uh, hey, here, here we go, here we go. Peter, you on the line? Peter. Can you hear me, Peter? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, Peter. You had us wrapped in a cocoon of horror, hoping you would call in. No, 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 no. Your your phony baloney phone system had me wrapped up in a cocoon of horror. Oh, it did. Joe Rodriguez is on with me. He's my co-host. He's from Jersey. He was having the same problems you were having, so while I was calling you, trying to straighten it out. Well, he's lucky I'm not there because I'd beat him. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, then, I'm glad I'm on the phone then. <laughs> uh, um, I, I switch over to my landline. Is that all right? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. It's actually better, I think. All yeah, right. I think it okay. is too. That's what I use when I call into the show. All right. Um, all righty. Well, hey, just tell us a little bit about your family's boxing history. I mean, a lot of people don't really know what that history is, and they should. You had a grandfather that was very accomplished as a boxer. Well, um, it started uh, back in the uh, uh, the the twenties. Um, my my grandfather was on the nineteen twenty eight Olympic team, and back then you did not have to go through you know the Olympic trials, the Olympic box offs, yada yada yada. If you um um um. Um, you, you, uh, you, um. Yeah, you were talking about the Olympic boxing trial yeah, when your grandfather well, was see, in it. Yeah, what, what, what it was, was back then, you, um, if you won the Nationals, that's it. You were on the team. You follow me, you didn't have to go through all these different tournaments. Yeah. Well, and then I, I also, if I remember right, your father fought the first card ever at the Boston Garden, didn't he, in 1928? So, so, yeah, so my my grandfather, um, he, uh, he you know, obviously, you know, after that, he turned pro, and, and uh, one, of his, one of his early, uh, you know, pro fights, uh, he was a... a he fought in the opening night of Boston Garden, you know, like a four-round bout or a six-round bout on a championship undercard. Yeah. And then your father fought for the heavyweight championship. And my father sold out the garden, I'm going to say probably at least ten times. Um, And uh, my dad fought Floyd Patterson for the heavyweight championship world. And um, um, you know, yeah, there was a lot of knockdowns not, in that fight not, too, wasn't not, there? Well, see, they got away with a couple of things because it was in Toronto, Canada. They got away with six ounce gloves and no three knockdown rule. Wow! So yeah. my dad was knocked down twelve times. I mean, a six ounce glove, you know. I, a featherweight today does he wear a six ounce gloves? Never mind a heavyweight. Um, so, so you know, um, 
you know, looking at your father's career, I see that he had several common opponents with uh, one Muhammad Ali. I'm seeing he fought uh, Tony Hunsaker and he fought Patterson. Yeah. George and he Logan, fought Tony Hunsaker, Brian London. Uh, Brian London. I mean, I mean, Dad, your know, Dad sparred with Ali old school when he was Cassius Clay. <laughs> Your dad also fought Oscar Bonavino, which, you know, could not have been yeah, easy. Yeah, Bonavino won 15 rounds with Ali uh, when he came back from taking a stand against Vietnam. That was Ali's second fight after uh, after Corey. Yeah, yeah. So what, what drew you to boxing? Uh, was it your father and grandfather's well, influence? I mean, I, mean, you know, I, I mean, come on, that's obvious. I mean, too obvious of a question. I mean, I grew up in a small town called, called Medfield. You know, I, <laughs> I screamed that 20 years ago. I screamed it loud and hard. Medfield! You know, but, but um, you know, growing up in a small town called Medfield, you know, uh, 18 miles uh, 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 west of Boston, um, you know, there was, you know, like, you know, you go up in a town like that, you know, the bell rings at the end of the school day, what are you going to do? You're going to go play baseball or basketball or football like all the other kids. There were no boxing gyms around. But when I was like seven, eight years old, I crawled in the act and I found my dad on the cover of Sports Illustrated, the cover of Ring Magazine. Uh, his his uh, title fight program in Madison. I mean, all these magazines, all this memorabilia upstairs, and I just became a, a a boxing freak after that. I just couldn't get boxing out of my head, you know. And and, and, uh, and I'm confident in saying my dad was was my first sports hero. Um, uh, but you know, again, where you gonna box in midfield? So I I didn't, you know, myself and my little brother. We, we, my little brother Snubby, who also made quasi famous on pay per view and other TV shows, talking about him. Me and Snubby on the weekends in the winter, we did a little bit of CYL boxing when we were kids. You know, like six, six Saturdays in the wintertime, barely getting your feet wet with boxing. And and you know, we always grew up in a heavy bag and a speed bag in the cellar. So like I was that classic wannabe. But um, when I when I finally got to college, I was at Bridgewater State College in Bridgewater, Mass, Mass, which is right next to Brockton, the city of champions. So all of a sudden, it all fit together, and um, and, and you know, I flunked out my freshman year party, and it was the first year I didn't play a sport in like whatever eight years, and and, um, and I flunked out. I got back in on academic probation. And so that summer I started boxing in Natick, Mass, and Framingham, Mass. So then when school started in the fall, my dad had the connections. The famous Hagler Leonard fight, super fight, had just happened in late April uh, 87. So the Petrol Gym in Brockton was jumping because of Marvin. And I was like, Dad, take me out to that gym. It's Tom Skipper jumping in the dorms. You'll see, I'll use my time wiser there. Then fooling around, and my grades will get better, and I'll graduate. So, if nothing else, 
my my only 21 amateur fights basically got me my college education. Yeah. I, if I didn't box, I never would have made it through college. All right. Um, well, let's see. When did you start working with your trainer, Vinny Vecchioni? Well, see, that's funny. See, at the beginning of my my last year of school, 1990, uh, Vinny Vecchioni was waiting for me outside the Petronelli gym, and he, uh, I come out, and he says, he says, hey, look, you know, like now, Vinny had been out of the fight game. Let's say nine years, ten years. Um, Vinny was doing other extracurricular activities. <laughs> and, and, yeah. um, um, I've read a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, hey, it's all, but it's not my place to comment on his life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I can comment on my own. And 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 Vinny was waiting for me, and it was not a fight about him, but Paul Poria. Paul Poria had been out of the fight game for like 15 years. So he had these two guys doing the comeback thing. They said, Peter, will you come down to Whitman next to Brockton and spar with Paul? And I said, uh, I said, sure, sure, you know. Um, I, you know sure, you know, I, mean, I just, I loved, you know, at that time, I had had, um, you know, I don't know, say 18, 19 amateur fights. And I, I just loved boxing. I wanted a fight. I was so young and inexperienced in boxing. I figured the more I fought, the more I sparred, the more I competed, the better I would. I could only get better. So I went down and sparred with this guy Paul. And Paul was twenty six and zero when he had stopped. So you know he was a middleweight, and now he was a small heavyweight. And uh, this time I was uh, what they called an amateur heavyweight. I was two hundred one. Yeah. Back then, the heavyweight division, you know, amateur was you know, if you were over two hundred one, you were a super heavyweight. Yeah. So, um, you know, so so I sparred with Paul quite a bit. Vinny says, "Geez, this kid's the best young heavyweight prospect in the area. I want this kid." And the owner of the gym was uh, Cliff Fibbin, and the South Shore Boxing Club is still open down at Whitman, Mass. Uh, but Cliff said, "Gee, you know." Vinny said, this kid's the best young prospect here. Cliff was like, really? You think so? He goes, trust me, I can do something with this kid. So, you know, sure enough, I have, uh, the Petronellis ended up getting a family feud over Irish Steve Collins. Um, yeah. Steve Collins was with them at that time. And something to do with his contract, and Steve ended up going back to, you know, and fighting all the big super fights. And I and winning the WBO title with with uh with um you know, Eubanks and and all those guys. You know? Yeah, and Nigel Ben, all those yeah. all those guys. Yeah. Well well, you know, it was more than one way to skin a cat. The Petrolis were trying to, you know, try to make him force force him to re sign a contract and, and uh I sp- I sparred quite a bit with Steve, you know. I I'm grateful to Steve. I knocked out the world nation ranked number one contender in my eighth amateur fight. It was the kid's like eighty uh, eighth fight. You know, I sparred with Steve for a month and I knocked the kid out in ninety three seconds. You know, so yeah. I, you know, then I beat uh, Bobby Harris, the other number one ranked contender from Worcester. Um, I beat him in my tenth amateur fight. 
and it was like Bobby's uh, uh, 60th amateur right. I was always the the less experienced guy trying to get ahead. Yeah. Your, your your debut was uh, against a guy named Van Dorsey. Uh, what do you remember? What do you remember about that fight? Uh, I knocked him out in 20 seconds. Didn't he uh, and, knock, uh, knock you down early, though? Uh, you know, that it's funny you say that because, um, you know, like there's a famous DA here. There's a famous DA of Boston. He was the referee, Jerry Leone. And Jerry's dad, you know, was real tight with my dad. You know, it was like, you know, it was like a small world, but you wouldn't want to paint the deal with the big deal. He's a boxer, you know. But, um, you know, it, it was a... Uh, you know, I was pushed down. The guy was six foot five, and, and, and you know, and he he pushed me down. Uh, there was the guy. The guy could have busted. The guy was big, yes, but he he could have busted grape. He could have. Hey, he could have knocked me down if he tried to. The the poor bastard. But you know, I, I was pushed down, and, and and they did. They called it a knockdown. It was pathetic. I, I still, I got the, I got all my fights on DVD right here. We laugh when we watch it, you know. But, uh, but well, anyway, so, 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 you know, so we ended up going on a march. Vinny Vecchioni did me old school. Vinny Vecchioni was an old school fight guy. We fought thirty-seven fights in forty-four months. Well, and also thirty-seven fights in forty-four months. That's a lot of fights, Peter. That's, that's, that's a, if you figure it out, it was a fight every five weeks for less than four years. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I didn't know about you that I learned from doing some research for this interview was that, uh, why don't you talk a little bit about Rocky V and how you almost, you almost <laughs> landed the role as Tommy Gunn. Um, well, what it was was uh, uh, back, back in 89, um, I just turned 20. Um, I only had, you know, again, I only had six, seven amateur fights. Actually, no, I'm sorry. I had eight. I I had eight amateur fights. And um, and uh, a, a casting call, uh, you know, um, form letter. Went out to all the boxing gyms in the country. Yeah. And, um, you know, and... and uh, Saul knew the Petzelis you know, from Hagler, and, and his uh, casting corporation uh, sent out a form letter to Jim. One night, Goody comes out and Peter, this is you, a 21-year-old uh, talented white boxer, 200 pounds. This is you. And uh, you know, I was at the college, living in his dorms, and boxing in Brockton nights, and I, I sent out a a, a American American Express uh, uh, letter with with a, a film of me boxing with some snapshots in and, and did the old hail mary. Uh, you know, uh, our father before I dropped in the box, and, um, <laughs> and then within a like day, within two or three days, there were plane tickets at my dorm room door to go yeah. to the MGM Studios in New York City for a screen test. And at the time, I did not know who else was involved. I did not know that 
Tony Morris, who was up for the role, but all I heard was that there were like three other guys, and one of them was a boxer. And you know, that was, I figured I had it wrapped. I had it. I was getting this part. I figured I had it wrapped. You know, but whatever. It just it didn't happen. And uh, Tony Morris, and it did. And uh, you know, but you know, a lot of people say that uh, Stallone uh, at that point that got Tony Morris on the uh, on the juice. And, and and which attributed to a lot of his physical problems in his yeah. life. So and and you know and I know that Tom was also had you know uh, you know his uh, demons of booze and drugs and you know just throwing steroids. Um, God bless him and his family. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, the he guy was a good passed, fighter. The guy passed way too young. Yeah, he was a good fighter too. And and, and you know and and also you know he got got HIV and complications from that and I mean the guy the guy had a you know the guy had a, quite a quite a life story that he was leading and God bless him and his family. Hey Peter, your your first loss came in your 25th fight against uh, Stanley Wright. It was a game. That was a fight that you dominated until it was uh, stopped. Uh, controversial. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I was ahead seven rounds of zip going in the eighth round, midway through the eighth round. I mean, I was cut bad. Um, the cut took sixty stitches. Wow. I was cut bad, bad. It had to re- be re-stitched a couple times. It was bad, but um, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, you know, we we took the loss. There was a lot of jealousy. They were just developing that cut rule, and um, you know, the guy was hitting me. You know, still doing a double illegal tactic, still arming me with the last He was six foot ten, and swatting me with the heel with the laces, and then cracked cracked my you know, my eyebrow open. So it was a double illegal blow. It should have. Uh, it sure went to the points, and I sure won. But like I said, they were just developing that whole uh, system, and, and there was a lot of jealousy of my undefeated record, and and um, whatever. Vinny Vecchioli is old school. He, you know, I was back. No guy would have invited with sixty stitches. Nobody would have invited for six months. I was back in a ring fighting in six weeks. With, there was still a scab on the cut. We fought. Dog King was already looking at us. I fought three fights in three states in three weeks. All three knockouts. Dog King said, "Wow, these guys mean business. Sign them up." Yeah. Well, um, before we get to the Don King questions, I just want to remind everybody you're listening to NGSC NGSC Sports Radio. Um, we're interviewed, interviewing former heavyweight contender Peter McNeely. So, Peter, you brought up Don King a little bit. Tell us how just how you became involved with Don King. Well, you know, you'll never hear a bad word out of me about Don King. I love Don King. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, people have had their 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 experiences with Don King, and uh, good, bad, or indifferent, and. Uh, I, I I got nothing but good things to say about Don King. Again, I was, you know, I only had three fights with him, but I, I signed a four-year deal with him. 
and I didn't get to that level where, where you know, where, where he could make so much money off me, where yeah. I could, where I could be mistreated, you know. So maybe in a way I was lucky. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But but to get that Tyson fight, you got to deal with Don King. Yep. You know, I mean, at that time, you're talking 1994, when I signed my four-year deal with King. Um, and then, you know, obviously, the big fight with Tyson in 95. But you figure at that time, Don King was the number one promoter in boxing. Hands yeah. down. Hands down. And, 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 and I, or, or a photo finish between him and Aram, but the dude between him and Aram is, King had a history of paying more than Arab. King had a history of paying more to the fighters than Arab. Don King paid paid out, made more millionaires of boxing than any other promoter ever in the history of boxing. Well, you you mentioned Mike Tyson, so let's talk about that. Tell us how that fight came about and. What were well, your feelings going into the fight? Well, you know, it was kind of a funny deal. Um, it almost didn't happen because in 19... Again, it, I signed a contract with King in uh, June of 94. Now roll around to September. Oliver McCall knocks out Lennox Lewis. Lewis's first loss. And I was up way up in... Uh, I was way up in upstate New York at a friend's place, and um, a friend of mine that was going to school up there, and Vinny says, Peter, get your butt home quick. We got to be in New York City in the morning. And I did. I jumped, you know, I, I got in the car and drove, drove three and a half, four hours home, and, and the next thing I know, where I'm playing the, the where I'm playing in New York City with the Rainbow Room at Rockefeller Center. And Oliver Collin-Donkey come in with the championship belt. And all of a sudden, you know, King was back in the heavyweight picture. And uh, uh, they announced that day that I would be the first, Oliver Collin's first title defense of that championship that he took from Lennox Lewis. And, um, you know, and, and that was like, like I, I had been the big fish locally. Uh, big fish in New England for you know a little bit of, you know say six yeah. months eight months you know and now all of a sudden it hit like a national and then worldwide level when I signed you know when when that when I signed that contract but uh, say about a week later like 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 when I got home from New York there was like you know there was a press card at my at my mom's house in Bedfield it was crazy I, this was now a good dry run for things to come for me, um, you know, for the Tyson fight. And 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 uh, uh, next thing I knew, like after you know things calmed down a little bit, the WBC stepped in and said, "No, Peter McNeely is not ranked in the top ten. This contract is null and void. He's only ranked twelfth in the world." The WBC rules say he must be ranked in the top ten, and um, you know, so he's not fighting for the title. And so I was like, "Wah, wah, wah!" Crying, dog. He's like, "Don't worry about it." 
Shut up. Shut up. Don't worry about it. Tyson's getting out of March. I'll have to fight him instead. And there'll be more money and more prestige. No, Vinny, 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 yeah, dog, you know, like, could you crying, you know, once, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it, was, it was actually kind of funny, you know? But, and, and another thing, you know, that, that all, McCall at that time, oh, boy, was he dead tough. I mean, that guy, you could hit the guy with a freaking cement mixer, and he wasn't going down. Yeah. But um, you know, going so, into the Tyson fight, did you have any fear entering the fight, and did you believe that you were going to win? Well, did it look like I had any fear? No, it didn't. That's what well, Joe opened the show up with when I was trying well, to get you on here, well, talking about how well, you went right at him. You mean when I was trying to get past your security codes? Yeah, see, so you had a hard time <laughs> with my security code, and you didn't like Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 you know... So that is the Tyson fight. It brings you to a funny story. I promised these kids from from back home. I promised uh, two guys that were like my my guys from Freedom that I used to box with. Them two guys and these other guys from college. I promised them all that they were going to be in my entourage. I promised these guys like eight years earlier. That, that I was going to make it to the big fight someday and they were going to be in my entourage. And I'm a man of my word. Eight years later, I uh, I had them same guys with me. And they and a couple of them, they tried to block from getting into the fight. The security was so tight. Speaking of security codes, the, the security was so tight for that fight that, that they tried to block these guys from getting in. I said, look at you know who I am? Yeah. I ain't gonna fucking fight unless these guys are coming in. You got me? I I fight unless they're coming in. And sure enough, they they want those same guys walked me into the ring. They still brag about that to this day. So the fight. I mean, so you didn't piss yourself like Bruce well, Seldon well, did. So I mean, what what was it? But but I, but I say just like Tyson says. You no know, fire and fear, man. It's that fear that makes a guy. It's it's what a guy does under the stress of fear that makes me a hero or a coward. I go yeah. forward. I, I go forward. Do what you're supposed to do. I don't go backwards like a coward. I go forward. Now, am I? Not, like it didn't matter if I was fighting. I, hey, listen, to build up that record, yeah, hell yeah, I fought some bums. You know what I'm saying? I fought some bums my girlfriend on the next room could have beaten. <laughs> but but I was scared before I got in every fight. But it was healthy fear. Healthy fear. If you didn't have that healthy fear, you shouldn't have been there at all. But, yeah. you know, but I always had it. And, and as soon as that bell rang, I... I, I said it was the day I signed a contract to fight my dad. said, I'm going right out. And if nothing else, I can say this. At least I executed what I said I was going to do. Now, did I have the experience to hang with him at that level? Obviously, maybe not. But, but I'll tell you this. I, I'm the only one to attack him in his prime and back him up. I'm the only one. Yeah. 
after after the Tyson fight, it, it, it seemed like things were different for you. Uh, do you think it was a matter of you maybe being burned out from having so many um, fights so soon? No, no, no. Um, I ended up having 17 more fights after that fight. I had 50. The, the Tyson fight was my 38th fight. Um, I ended up having a total of 54 pro fights, 47 and 7, 36 KOs, 25 first-round knockouts. We like to go home early. <laughs> but, um, no, you know what? If there was, if there was any burnout, it was, it was a burnout on my own of me you know, not doing the right things. But there was no burnout from the boxing, the fighting, or the training. I mean, so, yeah. So I, was I, the burnout, I mean, they had to I mean, even yeah, the money you got Yeah, I had, I had my, you know, I had times... When I get injured, you know, you know, I had the nagging injuries, and sometimes I had some big injuries that, that I fought through. Um, um, one time I fought down the Mohegan Sun Casino in Connecticut uh, in uh, 98, April of 98. I broke my hand in the third round with three more rounds and broken, and still won the fight easily, hands down. But I had to get the hand operator on. Got three titanium screws in there, you know, and and come back at that. Keep fighting. Um, another t- uh, the the fight before that was in L.A. You know, it was uh, like the uh, the fight was like say January eighth uh, or tenth, and back here in Mass, it was like uh, it was New Year's Eve day. And I'm out doing road work, and there was a little bit of. No one ice on the ground. Halfway through a run, I slipped and fell. On, you know, fell on my back and my hip. Knocked my hip out of place. Had just signed this new contract, you know, for for fights with um, with this company that were, were did Wayne McCullough, me and Wayne McCullough were like the two uh, big names of the company, and we were fighting on Fox Sports Network and and uh, other different channels, you know, lower level channels. But, you know, yeah. like, I knocked my freaking hip out of place. And I still fought the main event. Uh, McCullough, but I, pull, I was the co-feature McCullough, and I'm pulling out. They, they moved me <laughs> up to the main event, and I just knocked my hip out of place. Like a 45 a week earlier, and I ended up waddling into, you know, because it was, it was uh, winter time, and, and, and figure. It was the heaviest I ever walked into a ring after I knocked me up out of place. You can't jump rope. You can't run. You know, you go on the road, you eat. You eat three three hots and a cot, you know. Yeah. You know, I waddled into the ring at uh, like, like 233, 234, the heaviest I ever fought at. But I ended up winning that fight. Then I won the fight where I broke my hand. I came, came back up, you know, after the the. Uh, the, the screws came out of the head. Came back and fought out that. Well, after that, your last fight that I mean was probably a major event. I remember watching it on pay per view. I think it was a Bob Arum card. Actually, sure, though, you're wrong. Uh, uh, that was all my last fight. I never have four more fights out there. You, you're well, talk no, I'm about talking about. The, I was talking about your last high profile fight, which was probably Eric Butterbean Ish. Yep, yep. Uh, but no, I ended up. I ended up fighting, fighting uh, Mike Bernardo for the WBF Heavyweight Championship of the World in Cape Town, South Africa, on eight days' 
notice. Yeah. The last two pro fights were on eight days. The second last one was against the world's ranked number one contender, Henry Akawandi. Uh, six foot seven, two hundred fifty pounds. Yeah, you uh, bought Brian Nielsen too. Bought Brian Nielsen as well. Uh, Nielsen could have busted a grape on his best day. Uh, Akawandi was the hardest I've been hit my whole career, but, but the gloves were smaller in Florida than they were in Vegas. Yeah. So that's all hindsight twenty twenty deal. But uh, Bernardo uh, was probably like I. I was the best shape I was ever in my life for the Bernardo fight. I was I was doing a, for 10 weeks, I was doing a mini triathlon once a week. Once a week for 10 weeks, I would run three miles, bike 60 miles, then box. Do that once a week for 10 weeks, then dinner five days a week, I would run and box. And I was in the best shape of my life ever. But that trip to Cape Town on eight days, notice, Killed me. My reflexes, my body, were shot. And, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I believe, at one point you could see the Bernardo fight on YouTube. Um, uh, that was how we we actually got a copy of it. Um, I mean, he yeah. hit me a shot, and I was out. I was dead to world. I was dead. I was gone. And I can't believe, like to this day, watching that I actually got up. Got to my feet as the guy says nine. I get to my feet, and obviously it was in, it was in Cape Town. So the guy says nine, and, and I'm up, and you know he waved it out, which was probably better off, trust me, because I was I was messed up. But I, mean, I can't believe like I beat the count. I was not KO'd. I was not a you know I was you know like I was obviously I was KO'd. But legitimately, I was not KO because I beat the 10 count. Yeah, so what's your opinion of present-day boxers like Vladimir Klitschko? Well, it's funny. We got, you know, I've been seeing it on you, uh, uh, Facebook. And, uh, see, I, I'm a techno dummy in this techno world, Mike. You know, <laughs> Me <how> too. <laughs> we, well, this is how we met. I, Hey, that's, why we all, that's why we all had trouble getting into the new show tonight. <laughs> hey, don't you start up with security codes again, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, see, I just got on Facebook first time in my life. The last week of September passed. And and because I got on Facebook first time in my life, I, I met a beautiful woman I fell in love. First time I ever in my life. I'm, she, we live together now, and we just got engaged. Oh, well, um, congratulations. I, I, yeah, thank you. I couldn't be happier. Um, uh, but but really, I, I met you on the, one of the Facebook boxing sites. And and so what happened was, was uh, you know, like I, I've been doing a lot more interviews now. All of a sudden, Peter McNeely come out of, you know, come out of nowhere with a lot more interviews because of Facebook. Well, now everybody knows where you are and can get a hold of you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a good thing. But, but you know, I've been doing uh, for about five years. I was, well, really, 20 years. I've been doing charitable appearances to help others ever since I signed that contract with Don King. But the last, like, 
five, six years, I've really stepped up and done a lot of charitable, a lot more charitable appearances a year to help others. I never yeah. turn one down. Yeah. I never turn one down. So, uh, what's your opinion on present day heavyweight? Oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. I've been hearing a lot about Klitschko and Fury, and 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 I can't wait to see Klitschko knock Fury out because I don't like him, and I certainly don't want to hear the guy sing after another fight again. The guy's yep. horrible. I can't sing for a hell of shit. Well, I, I think Joe Rod agrees with you on Tyson Fury too because he watched him and called me and said, "This guy's terrible." <laughs> you mean about yeah, his fighters singing? He's awful. He just he talks his trash. His fighting or his singing? He's just, I haven't heard him. Oh yeah, I have heard him sing. Everything oh, he God. does is terrible. Oh, it's just God. he's just a big big guy. That's why he's like six eight, right? I mean, he's well, a big guy. You know, that's Billy it. Billy only taught me a lot. He said, you know, Pete, sometimes guys gotta match up. They physically gotta match up to other guys. And I will say this. Uh, we have not, seen, you know, it's not a not 100%, but we have not seen a lot of guys match up size-wise yeah. to Klitschko. So, you know, it could present a little bit of a problem in the beginning, or, or the guy might go down quick. I don't know. But, well, Peter, but, it's, 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 but it's, it's, it's a little line, different. The bottom line is I don't want to hear the guy singing again. Yeah, but there's a little difference, uh the Klitschko's can fight. This guy is awful. <laughs> He's really bad. Oh, listen, now, and I say this about the Klitschko's, and I say it about Floyd, Floyd Mayweather Jr. Now, to me personally, like, like you can't, you know, you want to start telling me about about boxing? Go the other way. I know too much. I mean, uh, grew up around it, did it. I know too much. So the bottom, but the bottom line is this: styles win fights. I like like people don't like Floyd Mayweather's style. And when he lean up against the ropes and hide behind his chin behind that shoulder and do a defensive effort, you know, the people whined about the the Mayweather Pacquiao fight. And I thought I thought to myself, hey, Pacquiao Mayweather won that fight easy. He wanted it easy. And yes, now, you know, then it came out, Pacquiao had a, uh, uh, a torn rotator cuff, which in boxing is gigantic. You cannot go into a ring boxing with a torn rotator cuff. So then, you know, don't get me wrong, I live on the on the denim side of Norwood. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know Freddie Roach well, but Freddie Roach grew up in denim. All Roach family go up and down. They knew my father pretty good. Well, I met Freddie, but you know, all of a sudden this this media good guy show with with, with uh, Freddie and Manny came to a screeching halt when you know they did not disclose the guy had a toy rotator cuff. You know. Yeah, if you're asking people to pay $100 for a pay-per-view, they ought please, to get a healthy please, fighter. Please, That hey, was bad. That was bad. But but the point being, point being, the Klitschko's, both Klitschko's, now there's only one fight. 
Bob Klitschko's, the Floyd Mayweather Jr., they won't go for the knockout like a guy like Sugar Leonard, Muhammad Ali, you know, guys like that. They they knew how to put on a show. Exactly. Yeah, but I'll tell you, with, with Fury's mouth, uh, Klitschko may make a, an exception and may well, want to knock him out. Again, again, you know, it does, because of the size, the matchup, he's like, like <laughs> Fury is going to just, Fury himself, because of his size, will force uh, Klitschko to knock him out. You yeah. follow me? His yeah. size alone will force Klitschko to knock him out. Hey, Peter, speaking of today's fighters, uh, what do you think of Deontay Wilder? I love Deontay Wilder. Uh, you know, now, is he young? Is he inexperienced? A little bit. Does he need some seasoning? Yeah. But, but I like the guy. I like the guy. Well, I enjoy watching Hey, you think he'd have a chance against Klitschko? I think right there, the size well, matchup well, against Klitschko. Again, again, match it up. Match it up. But, but again, I mean, these Klitschkos, you know, again, they, they won't, they're they so smart and so careful, they won't go over the knockout. But you can't fall through that. They're smart. And they've made a ton of money. But, yeah. again, they're too, they're too experienced. Right yeah, it's hard to make Klitschko's and the Mayweather's fight a fight they don't want to fight because they're so good at what they do. Exactly. So, Hey, well, Peter, we're about out of time with you here. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I mean, you're welcome back on the show anytime you want to come back, and there'll be no security code either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know, my good, my, my good pass is my buddy. He can call me anytime. All right, I sure will. Have hey, a Peter, great thanks night, very folks. much. All right. It was great. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yep. Thanks, Peter. All right, Joe. Uh, let's get back to Mayweather Berto. Well, I want to say one thing about Peter McNeely. I, I'm so happy he joined us, and it was really uh, a great conversation. And he, he only cursed twice, so I was very pleasant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but Peter... Peter, you told me you wouldn't curse at all on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great, though. Really, really great. Um, Mayweather, Mayweather uh, Berto, um, I think uh, I think he has a better shot than Madonna because I think hand speed, uh, you know, speed kills, as you know. Um, he does have enough speed to give to make Floyd think about something, at least. I don't know how much power he has. He does have some knockouts. I don't know how much power he has. Is he going to just go in there? which I think is the way to beat Floyd. You have to go in there and just, you know, throw the kitchen sink at him. You can't play cat and mouse with him. He will win that almost every time, especially against anyone today. What well, do you I think this. I, I think this fight should be on. I mean, if it's on free TV, I've got no problem with Mayweather fighting Berto because it would be huge for boxing to have Mayweather on CBS instead of putting him on pay-per-view. And I know people are gun-shy about paying money for a Mayweather fight now, but... Do you see anybody out there do you think could beat Mayweather? Um, Khan, maybe. Uh, and also, we we talked about, who's the guy we talked about the other night? Uh, Keith Thurman? Yes. Yeah. Now, Thurman's I just, a little I, young yet. He's only like 24 years old. I think another year from now, though, he may be more prepared. I don't think he's real prepared right now. But 
I think another year, and I think he could be ready. And I don't think, and I know we've talked about this before, but I don't think there's any chance that Floyd Mayweather is retiring after this fight in September. I don't think so either. He loves the attention, and he loves money. Yeah, I mean, that's why he calls himself money. So what would make that? I mean, because let's face it, they only show when he wins these bets. I guarantee he loses just as much, if not more, than what he bets. So... So all you Mayweather fans who are not, I shouldn't say fans, all you Mayweather haters, uh, you should root for Floyd to keep fighting because, you know, time beats all fighters. Yeah, it beats everybody. The only ones that didn't beat are the guys like, you know, Rocky Marciano, Joe Calzaghe, guys that get out when they should get out. And those are the only two guys that I can remember that retired undefeated. Right. I think there was one or two lighter weight guys that are like 108 pounds, but we've talked about that before. If they weigh 108 pounds, I can whoop them, so I'm not going to talk about them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, the great, but, the great Salvador Sanchez even lost a fight, didn't he? Did he? Didn't he lose once? Well, he lost early in his career. Right. And once he got, I mean, he turned pro at the age of 15, too, though. Oh, okay. So he was fighting grown men. I think he lost one of his first seven or eight fights. He lost one or two fights in there, and then nobody touched him again. But... You know, when I when I think of uh, Floyd Mayweather, um, every time I think of, uh, uh, you know, in my mind being a longtime boxing fan, how do you beat this guy? There's really nobody. I always go back to guys uh, in the 80s that I think would have beaten him. I mean, Floyd would have been, I think, uh, maybe a top 10 contender, but he would not definitely wouldn't have been undefeated. Uh, and uh, there were a few guys I thought that would beat him. And those, But there's nobody like those guys today. Well, I mean, if you look at the welterweight division, or even if you go lightweight division in the 70s or 80s, it was a lot deeper than it is now. I mean, actually now it's deep with a lot of guys like Keith Thurman that might be good, but you don't really know yet. And, I mean, Floyd Mayweather, maybe go and fight for the middleweight title against Golovkin. That's the fight I would like to see. And, I mean, I don't think that fight, I think even if he was to lose the Golovkin and get knocked out quickly, I think he would gain more respect from that than any other fight he's had just because he would have the guts to go up and challenge him. Well, Mayweather's that rare fighter that doesn't care about respect. Uh, he, he doesn't care about legacy. I really don't, I don't believe that. Yeah, but you look at the guys that moved up. Jose Napoles did not hurt himself by going up and getting knocked out by Carlos Monzon. I mean, he just didn't. Jose Napoles was one of the greatest welterweights that ever lived. I mean, people forget that just because at the time there wasn't the kind of TV coverage, especially on a foreign fighter as there is today, unless they were a Carlos Monzon who won 60 or 70 fights in a row. But I, I would be shocked if Mayweather or Floyd Golovkin. I would be shocked. Oh, I would too. I don't think it's going to happen. I hope it does, though, because I really think Golovkin's underrated by a lot of people. I mean, he hasn't fought any, you know... Guys that people, because put it like this, he hadn't fought anybody that people that aren't boxing fans have heard of. But if you're a boxing fan, you've heard of a lot of the guys he's beat. And he's beat these guys a lot worse than anybody else did. And he fights every three or four months. You know, I mean, he's not Peter McNeely fighting 37 times in 44, you know, 44 months. But the guy is active as a champion. He, I mean, he fights top ten guys, and it's hard to knock that. But and remember, in August, Steve Cunningham fights Antonio Tarver. Yes, that's we the fight we're waiting. Yeah, that's right. We spoke with Steve, and Steve was yeah, a great a guest. Yep. And uh, and we're definitely rooting for him big time. Sorry, Mr. Tarver. I actually like Tarver too, but um, uh, since Steve is our friend now, we have to root for our friend. 
<laughs> yes, we have to root for a friend. And actually, I talked to Steve the other day, believe it or not, just a name drop, and he is going to try to work it out so he can be on the Tuesday night of the week that he fights Tarver. Oh, that would be great. So, well, and then hopefully spoke... we can have him the Tuesday night after he beats Tarver. So. Well, I've spoken with uh, Marvis Frazier and Carlos Palomino. Oh, I'm sorry, that's right. You spoke with them, too. I can't name yeah. those guys. But, I mean, they don't give you their private home phone numbers, though, because... I have Larry Holmes' number. No, you don't, because if you did, we'd call him right now and get him <laughs> on for the last nine minutes, because that would be a dream one. Now, and if anybody knows how to get a hold of Marvin Hagler, let us know, because that's my main one. Absolutely. And Larry Holmes and Vander Holyfield and Mr. George Foreman. I actually have one of your grills, so I, I uh, you made a dollar off of me, so at least you could call us. That'd be more than a dollar. That's like $50. But <laughs> Hey, and once again, you're listening in to... The Grueling Crew Boxing Show is every Tuesday night we'll be here. Now prime time, 9.30 to 10.30. Um, we're now with NGSC Sports, which you can go to iHeartRadio or tune in, punch in NGSC Sports, and you'll have all of our shows right there. We're currently downloading a couple a day to get on there. Um, so far we've got Carl. You can, if you're a boxing fan, you can go on here. Carlos Palomino, Tim Witherspoon. I think I uploaded Donnie Lalonde today. Um, all our shows will be there. We're on Spreaker. We'll be on Zeno Radio probably starting towards the end of this week or the start of next week. So we're all over the place, Joe. We're like cockroaches. You know, uh, it's funny. I grew up with cockroaches. Listen, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing that these guys that we've spoken to, we've spoken to some really tremendous fighters, very well-known fighters, and they're known, uh, some are known for their real viciousness in the ring. And every single one of them have been very nice and gracious with us, which is a real, a real departure from what their ring persona is. So it's really it's interesting how, how fighters are. Yeah, and it's been the same thing with the football show that me and Matt Andrew Scavage do. I mean, we haven't had a jerk yet. We had one that we thought was going to be a jerk, but it ended up not being a jerk. <laughs> oh, no, don't name drop that one. I'm not going to name drop that one because he ended up not being a jerk, so... Everybody out there just had to guess who it was, and we're not admitting it, even if you guess it right. So, and you'll have to, and you'll, also, you have to listen to every the, single show. <laughs> and with the larger format, we can do more than one show a night now. And tonight at 11 o'clock Eastern, which is in about 37 minutes, I'll have the International World Bowl Series Weekly, which I think will be a great show tonight with Coach Tony Mangini. We've got a few sports agents that are going to be on there. Um, also wrapped up, we will do a special Tuesday show during the day, next Tuesday, of course, at 2 o'clock Eastern time, where we'll have the super agent, one of the first big-time agents in sports history, Lee Steinberg of Jerry Maguire fame. Yeah, this, that's, uh, that's no small potatoes. He is big-time. That is a really great, a great get, as they say. What does that mean, we're big-time? We're getting there. Uh, I'm still waiting for... Um... The check from uh, NGSC, aren't they Aren't they sending us a check soon? Well, if Ralph Garcia is listening, I know he's doing a show right now, but Ralph, if you're listening, Joe was wanting some money. So. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you tell me Ralph but, from the Bronx also? Yes, he is from the Bronx also, and he's a Mets fan. Ralph is a tremendous guy. I know. Ralph, I mean, this means now that I know both Mets fans in this world. That's right, and the Mets won tonight for both of you Mets fans listening out there. Well, that would be you and Ralph, and I think Ralph's doing a show. So you just told a bunch of people that did not give a damn at all. But, and hopefully we won't get in trouble from Peter dropping the F-bomb. So. No, well, you know, 
or we're not on a delay, are we? Well, then I guess. But we if you if you think about it, though, I've said Peter like fifty times in the last fifty-five minutes. <laughs> right, that could be that could be misconstrued very easily in this yeah. politically correct society. So actually. I'm on here saying Peter all the time. I got my Confederate underwear on, so. <laughs> <laughs> you are uh, you're questioning my military uh, my military service. And when we get off here, before we do the International World Bowl Series Weekly tonight, I'm actually going to watch an episode of the Dukes of Hazard. Wow, that's really you're going too far. Yeah, I know that shit was stupid as hell. That was, <laughs> it really was dumb. Yeah, but the Daisy Dukes were a very good idea. Yeah, Catherine Bach was was uh, yes, fill in the blank I, in a positive way. You would have lost for words now, Joe. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him. Getting back to Peter McNeely, I really enjoyed talking to him. And uh, and what I, you know, I went back and watched the fight again. Um, and it, you find it on YouTube, everyone. Um, and you could actually watch the fight and just go back to your business, watch it during a commercial because it doesn't last very long. But the That's good me. news, the great thing about this, and I mean this seriously. McNeely really was not afraid. He went right out of Tyson. And if you look at Tyson earlier, early on, I think he was a little surprised by it because yeah, I think he was him. too. Yeah, I mean, I mean Peter, Peter's right. That was and there I go. I said it again. But Peter was right that if you watch these, you watch Bruce Selden. I don't know if you remember Bruce Selden, but that I was remember. actually a unification title because Selden was like the WBA champion and Tyson was WBC champion or vice versa. And Selden literally just went out, wet himself, and laid down in the middle of the ring without even getting hit. <laughs> I guess, and that, I think that pay per view cost five dollars more than the McNeely one. So, and, guess, and Peter was entertaining as hell before the fight. So, I guess that uh, statement blows our chances of getting Bruce Selden on the show. Well, who was Bruce Selden on the show? It'll be, it'll be right time to call in. And he'll pee his pants and just go to sleep. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Bruce! Bruce, please be on the show so you can let Mike have it. I did not say that. If Bruce Selden's out there, I challenge him to come onto the show and last longer than he did on the Mike Tyson fight. Oh my God! This is wow. Hey, Bruce, I didn't say that. So if if we run into each other, I don't know if he still lives in the Atlantic City area, but uh, um, no, I didn't say that. Yeah, there's a better chance you're running into him than I am. So. <laughs> But I will be in New York. Maybe we could do a show together while we're, you know, sitting at the computer. That's true. There you go. So, all right, guys, we're going to wrap it up for this edition of the Tuesday Night Boxing Show. I'd like to thank Peter McNeely for stopping by. I'd like to thank Joe Rodriguez for being one of the two Mets fans in the world. That's cool, man. <laughs> Remember, top of the hour, 32 minutes. You can come back on here. You can hear it live, the International World Bowl Series Weekly. Um, they've got a combine coming to New York City within the next month. I think it's August 12th through the 15th. We'll have some special guests on to talk about that. Um, Thursday night, me and Matt Andrews Scavage will do our NFL show, and that will be moved up also, either to 9.30 or 10 o'clock. We're still discussing that. That will be announced tomorrow after me and Matt talk about it. So, for Mike Goodpaster and Joe Rodriguez, this is the grueling truth where the legends speak. We'll see you next time. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.